We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here of setting the pace if you haven't already make sure you go vote for Tyrese Halliburton to get into the NBA All-Star game stop the podcast if you haven't done it go do that and come back because we want to make sure that our guy not the wannabe not the fake but the true All-Star gets into the All-Star game Fachi what a win last night against the Boston Celtics 117-112 for the Indiana Pacers what were your thoughts on that victory I went through about a hundred different emotions I mean (laughs) first of all Best first quarter of the season by far. Then we were we're on Boston's court. I mean, we're talking about the team arguably favored to win it all. The start that we got off to, I could not believe it. Pacers were up by 30 points in the second quarter. I mean, th- this was just such a lead that you should feel great about. You should be able to, you know, not that you wanted to turn it off, but you should be able to sleep good at night. No, 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 not our Indiana Pacers. Uh, I mean, it, that lead started to disappear, and it started to disappear quick in that second half. But the Pacers did just enough to hold on. And Alex, that was a win. What it showed last night was the Pacers could beat anybody it could also lose to anybody but man that was a statement win it was a statement win and i will say this they started off really cold i think they were down eight to two they were to start the first three minutes of that first quarter rick carlisle calls a timeout and then all of a sudden the pacers are on this huge run like an 18 to 3 run something like that i mean i was just blown away i'm like what just happened in this timeout what did carlisle say what's going on I love the aggressiveness from Tyrese Halliburton looking for a shot. Look, he was a man on a mission last night. We heard multiple different conversations about the Wally Zerbiak stuff. Mark Boyle, Pacers radio play-by-play announcer, said, take that, Wally Zerbiak, after an and one play from Tyrese Halliburton. 
we know Tyrese Halliburton did an interview with Taylor Rooks, and she asked him about Wally Zerbiak and where this came from, and he's like, I've heard the name Wally Zerbiak, but I couldn't tell you where he played or, you know, and tell you anything about his game. And, you know, it's just kind of funny to me that this story blew up as big as it did. Like, you know, most of the time this stuff happens and it's like Indiana talks about it, but nobody else is talking about it. No, this was like national. This was getting huge. Everybody was talking about this. They made Wally Zerbiak apologize <laughs> uh, in the Knicks pregame show that they did there. And, like, it was such a uh, fake apology, Fachi. I don't. I mean, Big time. I, I got on you for not sniffing that out or calling it out. I mean, I, I knew he was told to apologize. What I was just getting at is something needed to be said because yeah. that was some old school, old man hate, just being hateful on the younger generation. And uh, yeah, people did rally to Tyrese's support outside of Pacer Nation. I mean, Matt Barnes, who has a, a media platform, oh, yeah. was saying like, he's like, this, there's just nothing cool about this. Like, man, like, how are you going to do this? Why are you going to hate on the on the youth instead of, you know, propping them up? And Tyrese did take this personally. I, I really feel like he wanted to come out and say, look, I'm not a wannabe all-star. I am an all-star. And his play last night showed it, slayed the Boston Celtics with 33 points. And eight assists. Led, exactly. Eight assists, led by example, 12 of 24 shooting. So it's not like he's out here just hunting stats or anything of the sort. Uh, he led by example, and it really set the tone for the rest of the Pacers. So, you know, I, I even Carlisle afterwards saying like he's our all star, and yeah. you know, obviously, you know, Carlisle would say that, but it, it's just true. <laughs> People know that. Look, he is an all star, yeah. and man, the the play across the the team last night felt really good, even if it was far better in the first half than it was the second half, as the Pacers got outscored last night by uh, I want to say it was like 22, 23 points in the second half, but they did just enough to hold on. Yeah, and I was I was saying all that stuff about Wally Zerbeck to get to the point that Tyrese Halliburton played fantastic last night. I mean, and, and Halliburton even said this in his post-game interview. Yeah, I was aggressive. And by me being aggressive, it got other guys more opportunities to get open looks. And we saw it all night. I mean, I posted a video on Twitter last night where he threw a pass to Andrew Nimhart on a back cut. It was a beautiful play. They ran a pick-and-roll uh, pick and pop, excuse me, with Jalen Smith, but he kind of like deflected the the screen. And so Al Horford kind of followed towards the middle and left Jalen Smith. Well, Tyrese looked at Jalen Smith. And so Jalen Brown, who was guarding Andrew Nimhard, was like, oh, shoot, he's going to pass the pass to Jalen Smith. He leaves Andrew Nimhard. Now Horford's in recovery mode, having to guard Nimhard. Nimhard sees that Horford's head is turned. He cuts back toward Halliburton, sees it all, gets him for a wide open layup. I mean, Honestly, it's just one of those things where if you really dissect what Tyrese Halliburton does on a night-to-night -night basis, it's fantastic how he processes the game. And we are blessed as Pacer fans to be able to witness this on a night-to-night -night basis because even when he's not scoring the basketball, like we saw the one-point game against the Miami Heat last Monday, right, about 10 days ago, they're going to get a chance to play them on Friday when you're probably listening to this podcast. It's a great opportunity for him to bounce back, but – he is able to orchestrate so much, even if he's not being the primary scorer. But when he is the primary scorer and he does look for a shot aggressively, I agree with Tyrese. It opens up so much for everybody else. And that's why you saw guys, Fachi, like Andrew Nimhart. What did he have? Eight points. Buddy Heald, eight points. Jalen Smith, eight points. O'Shea Bursett had eight points. Um, I think it was uh, Aaron Neesmith had 15, right? Chris Duarte had 14. And Miles Turner had 10. Like, nobody really had, like, 
great scoring numbers outside of Tyrese, but everybody else almost got the double digits. Everybody was involved, and everybody, for the most part, was efficient. I mean, there was a lot of guys. You look at O'Shea, 3 of 5, Jalen Smith, 3 of 6. Yeah, I know Buddy was 3 of 7, but there's like Damas Turner, 4 of 8, uh, Aaron Eastmith, 6 of 13. Like There was a lot of guys that, that shot the ball good enough. And, yeah. you know, when, when we're talking about it, there was a couple of things that stood out. One, Aaron Neesmith served up a cold play to revenge with that 15 and 6. He stays on a roll. Um, he was yeah. a plus 16 in the game, and you know this game meant something to him against the Boston Celtics. So yeah. that was awesome to see. And it truly, this was the moment where it felt like he's back. Chris Duarte with the buzzer beater. Two of them. You know, oh, just unbelievable. I mean, Chris, that was like, that's what he does. In the moment when the clock is winding down, Chris Duarte always rises to the occasion. We talked about looking for a guy when, when, when you know, the shot clock's winding down. Who's it going to be? For some reason, Duarte has always felt really comfortable in that environment. 14 points in 15 minutes. He does it on 5 of 10 shooting and 4 of 5 from 3. That felt like the true getting Chris Duarte back. He had to shake off some rust previously. And just overall, a really good quality win. Another one of those wins that I talk about. When when, when casual basketball fans reach out and they go, yo, nice win against the Celtics last night. That's when I know we made some noise. <laughs> All right? And that is exactly what I got today. I held my head high, even though I work remote. I still got to talk. A lot of smack to uh, – I went a couple Boston Celtics fans uh, that I work with, and I got to really, you know, get them. And that, <laughs> that, that felt good because, you know, there, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities to get some people because no one cares when you when you beat some of the, the, the low-level Orlando Magic teams of the NBA. But a win against the Boston Celtics packs a punch any uh, day of the week. You talk about the low-level Orlando Magic. Well, they just beat the Celtics back-to-back. So it's like, how am I supposed to take this win? Are the Celtics struggling right now? They are. Are they going through the the winter lull of just like trying to get through the long 82-game season where they're just like, man, we're so good. We don't have to try that hard. And that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like they were just like a totally different team in the second half. Yeah. That's why they outscored the Pacers by like, what was it, 20-some points? Which is 23? 23 points, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, one of the things that you notice, like as soon as the Pacers put the ball in play, their defensive pressure was up higher. They were guarding tighter. They were more effective. They got a lot of offensive rebounds, it felt like, in that second half. A lot of opportunities for them to get some wide-open looks back-to-back. You know, Jason Tatum missed a shot or two, and then he gets a wide-open three off of a couple offensive rebounds. It's just like they were pushing. They were putting a lot of pressure on the Pacers, but we knew that was going to happen. We knew they were the better team overall on paper, and and we knew that this was a chance that it was going to happen, like a comeback was going to happen, like – People were making jokes after the first half, like, well, even if the Celtics come back and beat us, it won't be as big of a deficit as the Colts had to give up, you know, surrender 33-point lead to the Minnesota Vikings and then end up losing that game by three. So that's kind of where I think a lot of fans were at. But when it got really tight, Tyrese Halliburton hit a big three, and then he found Miles Turner for an and one. I think that's what kind of solidified this game overall. And you put the ball in your best player's hand for the night. Tyrese Halliburton put the team on his back and led him to victory. But I will say, you said it, Chris Duarte, all the guys that I mentioned, though, all of them hit big shots at certain times throughout that stretch to kind of stop the bleeding a little bit because the TD Garden was ready to explode. It felt like a playoff atmosphere in there, watching it live, and it felt like, oh, my God, please do not just give this game away, Fachi, because that's what it felt like was going to happen. 
But I, I honestly, like, as much as we're on team, like, let's get a higher draft pick. Don't lose sight of the big picture here. These are the games that you want to see them kind of get that experience and win. And I was super excited for them last night. I, I was rooting hard for them. It's, it's hard to root for losses. I get it. And just seeing how good the Celtics team is, the way the Pacers came out, and just I wanted them to finish the game and get some confidence going. So did I, and, and the lead got down as low as six towards the end of the game, and yeah. I was I was really nervous. Afterwards, my wife was like, "Wait, they ended up winning?" And I was like, "Babe, of course we won." And, and it was just like I, I, I was not I was not in position to say of course based on how the last few games went against the Knicks and the Cavs, but this was the difference in in those games. We when it mattered most, we locked down got the stops, made the shots that we needed. But there was a couple alarming stats in there. We were out-rebounded by 25. We gave up 25 offensive rebounds. Yeah, it was bad. Those, those are games that are really hard to win. I mean, in this game, we won we gave up 25 offensive rebounds. But against the Nets, we lost and we gave up 29 offensive rebounds. It, it's a recipe that doesn't typically work. But once again, when the Pacers shoot the three ball well, good things happen. They shot 46% from three last night. But one key thing. I want to bring up the Pacers. They're very handsy and not in a good way. 22 fouls for the Pacers compared to Boston's nine. It was a difference of nine free throw attempts for the Pacers. Boston got 25 free throw attempts. So that is a a big difference in a game that, you know, kind of started to come down to the wire a bit. The Pacers have to limit some of these fouls because it's really putting them in a big difference as it relates to free throw line appearances. That's a good point. And you go back to the rebounding here. I thought I thought Jalen Smith played very well he did. in the minutes when Miles Turner got in foul trouble. I think Miles picked up his fourth in the third quarter. And so they went with Jalen early. And he ended up finishing the game with nine rebounds. And he had some tough matchups. I mean, when you're playing small like they are, it's going to be tougher to rebound, especially against the Celtics team that is a good rebounding team overall. Al Horford, Robert Williams is back in the mix. They got Grant Williams. Then you got, you know, your long forwards like your Jason Tatums and your Jalen Browns. Like these are all guys that are effective on the glass when they want to be. And that's what it was. And I'm 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 curious how different this game goes if Marcus Smart plays instead of, you know, starting Peyton Pritchard and then kind of riding the hot hand of Brogdon, because I thought Brogdon played pretty well for you know himself. Like it wasn't a great Brogdon game, but it wasn't a bad one. I will say this. This is off topic in terms of basketball related conversation, but Malcolm Brogdon's haircut kind of reminds me of like a 90s TV show actor. I don't know if you got the yeah. same vibes, but I was feeling I, I can see it. No, I, I could definitely see that. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was interesting. But yeah, Brogdon had a good game, but just not good enough because we, I, and I know he wanted to stick it to us, but in the end, uh, you know, I'm glad we were able to grind that one out. But to your point about Marcus Smart, uh, as much as good as Tyrese Halliburton is, Ain't no way Halliburton's going off for 33 if Marcus Smart's there. So I, I do think that that was uh, an advantage for the Pacers that we were able to take advantage of. So that was great to see. But for Boston, look, there's plenty of talent left on that roster. So I don't feel bad for them. And, no. uh, you know, they'll get it together. They're a really good team. And, and the Pacers are going to go through some highs and lows just like Boston might go through some highs and lows as they're in the lows right now. But back to 500, the boys go 16 and 16 right now. I mean, that is, it's better than anyone could have predicted at this point. And look, I think that's a win. 32 games in the season, 50 to go. Hey, we're 500. Yeah, we'll see what the rest of the season looks like. But I don't, I don't see them 
you know, going like 14 and 36 over the next 50. What is yeah. what is the 32 games? We got 50 games left, so 14 yeah, and 30. Yeah, so 14 and 36, 36. it's kind of hard to imagine. Um, you never know. Like you, you said, never know. Uh, I, I was giving you some crap last night on Twitter because it's always fun to do when I see your aggressive tweets, but you're like, you know, times. you yeah. said uh, n- nothing, uh, nothing is set in stone here, but you were setting the Pacers up for a loss there with your tweet. <laughs> Even with like yeah, a, I know you would have loved nothing more than to, to blame this collapse on me. Watchy curse. But yeah, no. We, we haven't had that in a while. I haven't really brought it up. Curse is dead. All right. You know, curse the is only when you're in the building. Yeah, I, I guess so. If you were so. there, we would have lost. Well, Chad Buchanan knows. Chad, Chad does know. But, hey, January 11th, Pacers take on the Knicks. I'll be in Madison Square Garden. Counting as a loss. Maybe judge it then. You know, we'll see what happens. What date? What? January 11th. All right, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, put that on your calendar. If we lose, hashtag Fachi Curse is back in full effect. But anything else on this game before we take our first break? No, I, I would just say, hey, we covered it all. Great win for the boys. This this was one that really uh, should uplift the fellas, give them confidence that on any night we can hang, but not just hang. We could beat anyone on any given night. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we kind of teased it on last episode that we did. We're going to be doing some trade targets, not trade ideas, but players the Pacers could trade for. So I will go ahead and tell you it's going to be a top 10 list because Fachi did five and I did five, and I made sure they did not overlap. So I made a list of about 10 or 11 guys. Fachi made a list of five, sent it to me, and I picked from my list so we did not overlap. So we're going to have a top 10 list for you here, maybe 11 if I cheat and sneak one in. But we're going to give you a top 10 list here of trade targets right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody, we are here to talk top 10 trade targets for the Indiana Pacers. And me and Fachi both have come up with five names each. Maybe I'm going to sneak one in there for six. That means I am just giving you a heads up. So it is going to be technically a top 11, but we'll just do top 10 because it sounds better. But if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. Hope you hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate all the feedback on there. If you're just listening to this on the normal podcast app that you listen to us on, thanks so much for joining us. You already heard our first segment talking about the Pacer Celtics game. But let's get into it, Fachi. Who do you got first on your list? All right. Uh, Number five on my asks for, you know, to Pacer trade targets. I'm going Jaden McDaniels on the Timberwolves. At 6'9", this man is lengthy, and he can defend multiple positions. And when I say multiple, I'm talking about he spent last year 25% of his time guarding power forwards, about 20% of his time guarding two guards, uh, 20% of his time guarding small forwards, about 20% of his time guarding point guards, and 10% guarding centers. So he can do a little bit of everything on the defensive end. This is someone who has aspirations of being an all-NBA defender, and this year, He's averaging 11 points per game on 52% shooting, 37% from three. One thing that really caught my eye was the defense that he played on Tyrese Halliburton earlier in the year, honestly stifling him uh, when when the Pacers played the Timberwolves about mm, last month or so. So that really had me intrigued. Don't know if uh, the Timberwolves would be interested in letting him go. Actually, one of the players they did not want to include in the Rudy Gobert trade, but if there's an opportunity to get him, I think he'd really fit this team. Well, that was going to be my rebuttal to this whole, like, why would you put him on your list? Well, I mean, I'd like to see your list because I guarantee you got some players that I would be like, this guy's not going to be available. So if we want to, if you really think he's not going to be available, one name, I'll throw you a little consolation over here. Okay. These guys are fighting. One guy that will be far more available, Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin okay. right over here. That makes more it. sense. Yes, yes. And he was the guy, he was the first guy that made the cut. This is a guy that needs a change of scenery. Right when he was drafted is right when Julius Randle took off. So if you're ever to look at just the sheer numbers perspective, they're not going to jump off the page, but Obi Toppin could jump out of the building. The former National Player of the Year, this man is very athletic. He's about to turn 25, which in NBA standards is is not the youngest, but he's by no means old. And at 6'9", he could play the three, he could play the four. I truly believe his best basketball is ahead of him. And given what the Knicks are doing right now, I don't think they're going to be rushing to re-sign him. I do think he could be available via trade. Okay. So we're going to end up doing our top 12 then, I guess, since you gave a next Maybe we are. Um, Yeah, I mean, Obi Toppin to me makes more sense. I just... I was curious about McDaniels just because the Timberwolves, like you said, they refused to include him in the trade for Rudy Gobert. And and pretty much Utah got everything else they wanted from Minnesota in that trade. I think they highly covered him and what he meant to that team last year in the playoffs. I love him. I would love to have him on this mm-hmm. team, but just doesn't seem like a realistic option where I think Obi Toppin does. And, you know, me and you talked off air about some of the names that I had on my list. I didn't put those guys that I felt were unrealistic that were like reaching for the stars, right? There's Those are ones you make a call about, and hopefully you get lucky like you did with Tyrese, where you're like, okay, <laughs> really? That, like, he's available? Okay, we'll take him. Still That's... shocked that that happened. But yeah. right, guys, right when we logged on, I went real quick, got to know one player. Do you have Jaden McDaniels on your list? And you're like, no. And I was like, all right, 
I'm, I'm making that was the push for me. So <laughs> that that's why I had. Otherwise, I had Obi in that original fifth spot. Yeah, so Fachi doesn't really know much of the guys on my list. I just told him to send me his, and I was trying to make sure I had enough guys to do mine. So I'll move on to my first person on my list here, and this is at the bottom of my list, a name that we've talked about probably for two or three years now as a guy that we're all kind of like we're interested in his game overall. But I think we both have kind of soured on him a little bit, but it's Ruby Hachimura, okay? Mm. We just saw today that Mark Stein – said the Phoenix Suns and Wizards had a trade conversation where the Wizards were going to send Ruby Hachimura to the Suns for, for Jay Crowder because the Wizards are are believing in this team for whatever reason that they're going to be more than a first-round playoff exit. I don't understand that, but, you know, Ruby Hachimura is a guy that he's six foot eight, he's 230 pounds, and he's a power forward. The Pacers desperately need somebody like this. He's only played in 16 games this season, Fachi, but... In those 16 games, he's averaging 11.6 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, and 1.1 assists on 48% shooting from the field and 33% from three. The big reason why, and you're going to see a common trend here with a lot of these guys on my list, he's entering restricted free agency this season, and the Wizards could go in several directions. If they want to try to win, maybe you you can sell them on a a win-now guy if they want to kind of go the opposite route and decide, hey, we're just not going to be a good playoff team. We can sell some of our pieces. Maybe he's another guy that they're like, we don't want to pay him any money. We'll get rid of him. The Pacers can get his bird rights then and then look to negotiate a deal with him in the offseason because they do need a power forward, like you mentioned, Obi Toppin. So Ruby Hachimura, not like somebody I'm in love with, but I would understand if they went and made a small minor move to try to get him off the Wizards and maybe – Maybe all it would take is giving up one of your Cavs or Celtics picks to get him, to be honest with you, with the way this with this Wizards team is going. You get him on your roster. You, you give him a chance to kind of show what he can do. I know there's no – there's a log jam right now with this rotation, but I think the Pacers want to take a risk on some younger guys, and he's a guy that can make sense. First off, I had to contain my laughter and make sure I didn't laugh in the mic because the Wizards thinking that they can push forward and add Jay Crowder and do something is just like – one of the most pathetic things for a franchise that, Alex, believe it or not, has never won 50 games in their existence. All right? We so, know that as a fan. I, I lived in the area. So I, I got a lot of friends that, that were Wizards fans. Right, and, a lot of uh, friends. They, they've they've friends. stopped watching basketball because it, it's gotten rough over there. Really, yeah. a former top 10 pick, someone that you and I were both high on. I just yeah. don't understand what happened. I, I, I really do think that the Wizards do not develop players well. You know, there's guys that we've seen that have taken a long time. Like, um, there was a Troy Brown Jr. never really developed over there. Now, Rui's kind of been stuck in the same. Uh, Johnny Davis does not look like he's doing well over there. Tell me, tell th- me a, a draft pick they've had that's hit that's been like really good. Bradley Beal's like the last one. Yeah, and Beal was the third overall pick. Kelly Oubre Jr. was a decent guy that you know yeah. materialized as a, a you know a rotational NBA player. Anyway, Ruby needs a change of scenery. It sounds like the the trade ask for the Wizards is not much. Mm-hmm. I, I think that his best basketball should be ahead of him. You know, he had something going on last year that really delayed. You know, something personal that really delayed him coming into the season. So you know, this is someone who I'd be willing to take a flyer on. Because I I don't think that he's blossomed as much as everybody hoped. But a, a top 10 pick that is still very young over there, that's always appealing. He's 24 years old. Yeah. Um, I would be intrigued if the price is right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we know Bob Barker 
the price is right. So mm-hmm. if it is, if it is right, let, I think that's a right move. But let's move on to your next one, Fudge. My next one. Hey, I love taking a good flyer on someone <laughs> who hasn't hit their, their potential. James Wiseman. Oh, now saying. hear me out. So okay. this man was as as talented as they come going into college. I believe arguably the top overall recruit, if not top two recruits. Uh, extremely talented, but you know raw. Former yeah. that 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 raw talent was good enough to get him as the number two overall pick after playing just three games in college due to a scandal, unfortunately. But injuries have plagued his first two seasons. But he's still just twenty one years old offensively super gifted and i'll tell you i'll even put it in perspective he's only had three games all year where he's played above 18 minutes and just the other night against the nets 30 points on 12 of 14 shooting offensively there's never doubted him defensively he's got a long way to go golden state while they develop players well they don't have the time to properly develop him in real games so i do think that if they want to continue to expand their window of winning it all James Wiseman might be their ticket to bringing in more established players. Plus, Alex, selfishly, if we want to go Thanos mode on the NBA, this is our chance to collect the fourth lottery pick from the 2020 NBA draft. And James Wiseman is still under contract next year at $12 million per year. My assumption before anyone says, whoa, another center, I imagine Miles Turner would be going back in probably any deal plus a little something extra. You don't have to say that, man. Don't get the haters or the stands mad at you here by throwing his name in the trade room, okay? I mean, it makes sense, but don't say it. <laughs> Save yourself. I'm trying I, to help I you. I'm looking out for you, man. I'm looking out Appreciate for you. Appreciate it. Um, no, I just I just don't think James Wiseman has it, Bocci. And He might not. That's just my opinion. It's like I understand the Pacers are kind of a team that makes sense to take mm-hmm. a risk on him, but – I just, I just don't want another project right now at center position. Project. He is he's a massive project, and is there playing time for a project? I mean, do we really think that he's going to be better than Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson at this point? From what he's shown so far in the NBA, I would say no. And if he's got injury history, that's something else I'm concerned about. I just, if it's not going to cost you much, I don't, I don't mind using him as kind of like as a salary filler for the Warriors when they have to try to find salary to match up to try to trade for somebody. I mean, it's not the worst idea at all. I'm not trying to debunk that. I just wonder, is he the type of center that we want on our team and with the style we want to play? Because, you know, there's another center out there that's cheaper than him. He's a little bit older than Miles Turner. It's Yaka Pertl. That's been on the trade block all, all season long. And I've kind of thought he could make some sense for the Pacers because of his ability to rebound the basketball and he's a good screen setter, decent, you know, pretty good defender as well. But he hasn't taken one three-point sh- attempt this year. It's like, is that really his game? Is he going to fit what the Pacers want to do? And that's where I'm kind of like, no. I, I thought about putting Yaka Pertle on my list just to kind of be different, but I'm like, eh, he's just too different from what they have and what they're trying to do. And I wonder if Wiseman kind of falls in that same boat. If he's going to be, I don't know, do you think he's a guy that can play fast? Uh, well, that remains to be seen because he's a guy who still needs far more playing time to really develop. Yeah. But, you know, for Yaka Pertle, I believe he's entering free agency after this. Yeah, he season. is. So he is. I don't, I don't want to trade for anyone that's on an expiring deal because, you know, what, what it cost. Are... Yeah, exactly. But for, for Wiseman, I mean, man, rarely do young guys at number two overall pick become available. And this is an interesting situation. I, I think the Warriors, while they develop talent really well, 
it was not a, the the best spot for a team that's looking to win it all with a guy that is a bit of a project. I, I right. know what they were trying to accomplish in the pick, but I don't think that he was the right pick for the Golden State Warriors. I'm curious to see where he ends up because I, if right now he just needs playing time. And in the midst of a rebuild for the Pacers, this is their opportunity to take a chance on someone if it does not cost too much. But there are most definitely questions about if he will ever live up to who he was expected to be. Probably won't, but there is still untapped potential there. The second pick feels like a curse a lot of times in the NBA draft. Chet Holmgren hurt already this year. Go back a couple of years ago and you got Marvin Bagley, right? A guy that's not even been able to get much playing time. Maybe a little bit there with with the Pistons, but they're so bad it doesn't really matter. Then you can even go back even further and look at a guy like Evan Turner. Like mm-hmm. he didn't turn out to be what everybody thought he was going to be. So nothing against Wiseman. I just I feel like there's a chance Darko Milicic has a better career than James Wiseman did. Oof. I mean, look, I I hope not for. I mean, like not that I'm. That's where I'm at. Believe Wiseman. But yeah, I mean, if we even want to go back, Marvin Williams was just so very eh. Michael Kid Gilchrist. <laughs> I mean, Kid Gilchrist is the definition of it, the ugliest shot, but the most <laughs> average player out there. Sam Bowie, back in the day, it, there's the number two pick is just, it gives you some strange results. Yeah. So, um, hey, I'm ready to move on to your next uh, target. What do you got? Yeah, so I've got somebody that probably a lot of people aren't thinking about, but I've got Kenyon Martin Jr., Six foot, okay. six, 215 pounds, small forward of the Houston Rockets. He started in six of the 31 games this season, averaging 10.7 points, 5.1 rebounds, and 1.5 assists, 55% from the field, but just 31% from three. An incredibly athletic wing who can defend well and has a high motor. You can tell he does fit what the Houston Rockets are trying to do with their style of play, their faster pace type of thing. I think he's got a little bit of an edge to him, Flachi. He does. Kind of got some shades of his father in him. High flyer, not afraid to rough it up with some guys. And there's been talks about how he wanted to be traded, I believe, if not mistaken, at the beginning of the season. And I think Jake Fisher reported that, you know, the the Rockets are looking for a first-round pick for him. Really? Similar to what they want for Eric Gordon. Like, it's a similar package. So I don't know how obtainable he is. But I think if there's a way, the, the Pacers and Rockets have made trades in the past. They have a history of doing that. Obviously, the Karis LeVert, Victor Oladipo, whole thing there that went down. And, of course, they made the trade before that where the Pacers took on, like, two guys or whatever, like Nick Stauskas and somebody yeah. else and waved them. So, you know, they've made trades with the Rockets before. Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan. Seems like they have a good relationship there. I think if Kenyon Martin Jr. somewhat becomes available, the Pacers have to knock on the door and say, hey, what would it take? And I think a six foot six kind of guy like that could make a lot of sense. And I believe he's entering free agency this season. So, yeah, it's a bit of a risk with that, but he's young. And I think if he fits in well here, he could be a really nice piece with whether it's Nimhar running the second unit or Tyree running the first unit. Whoever he's playing with, I think he could be a lob threat to a certain degree, even at six foot six, just because he's got so much bounce. Does have a lot of bounce. That's someone I've been very intrigued about. Uh, you know, I, I went to West Virginia University. He was rumored to go over there because his dad was coached by Bob Huggins. So I've been following him since high school. And I think when he ended up just making that move to go pro after high school, I, I was really surprised about that. Ended up instead of going to college, uh, I forgot where he played, but maybe it was the G, uh, whatever it was, it was not going to college. I thought that was a really bold move. Ends up being a second round pick. 
and he has continued to get better and better. Not a name that you hear about, not someone who's going to be dropping, you know, 30 points, 25 points, anything like that, but he's going to give you just energy and just nonstop a little bit of everything. So, man, the fact that he does hit free agency, being that he is a second-round pick, Makes me kind of just hope we could sign him outright, but if the price is not much and it's getting towards the deadline and Houston feels he won't re-sign, sign me up because this is someone that fits that young culture of what the Pacers are trying to build. And I I think that he's someone who does not need the ball in order to be effective. Right. And that's why I'm really like intrigued by him. It's one of those guys that doesn't get talked about that much, but when you watch him play, you're like, man, this guy's got something to him. Like there's, there's good, attributes that you want on your team that he has good intangibles and i think the pacers are just missing somebody like this on their roster right now just give me another athletic wing type of player that can go out there and just muck it up for a little bit doesn't have to be a starter and that's kind of like probably where you're like oh man alex's first two guys aren't getting me very getting me very far in terms of like starting minutes but i'm trying to be realistic here i'm trying to look at like ways the pacers could be effective with their trades Yeah, exactly. Look, you know, you're not going to find like a Jason Tatum on our list. All right. Those, those players, they're just not, they're not, I hope not because, you know, we might be debunking that real quick, but look, those players don't always become available, but every now and then, you know, you get really good role players, guys that maybe haven't hit their potential that become available, or you get guys that are a bit more established. And that's kind of what leads me into my next guy on the list, a guy that we hear is available and a guy that the Pacers actually passed on by one pick to draft a guy whose name rhymes with CJ beef. All right. And this guy is John Collins. Okay. John, I was like, where are you John, going? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John <laughs> Collins ends up, I didn't want to say the name of the real Don't guy. Say it. We're good. We know it. Want, I'm going to leave it at that. But John Collins is someone that I wanted the Pacers to take years ago, but He's not having a John Collins type year, but he is still a matchup problem. For three straight years, he essentially averaged 20 and 10 on 55% shooting, nearly 38% from three. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, look, never been something to really write home about defensively. He could still give you a block per game. But on the offensive side of things, you know, say the Pacers were to move Turner and you could slide um, uh, Jalen Smith down to the five have John Collins at the four, or you can move Ajax to the five. Whatever you want to do over there, the Pacers still have options to make it work. I think that Tyrese Halliburton is a, is a far more of a playmaker than perhaps a Trey Young right now that I think could get the best out of John Collins because Tyrese doesn't need to look for a shot as much as a guy like Trey Young does. And if anything, this is the buy low type of situation for John Collins compared to recent years where he flirted with being an all-star. He's also signed for the next three seasons at roughly $25 million per year. I know it's nothing to, you know, think is a bargain, but it's not anything substantially in the 30s. Uh, but this is also a Pacers team that has cap room and will have more cap room moving forward. What's your thoughts on John Collins? Let me ask you a question because I want to follow it up. You bring up the contract. You don't think that's too much money for John Collins for what you're trying it, to it's, do? It's more than a lot of people would feel comfortable with, but it's also not uh, like a max contract by any means. Yeah. No, I get that. And I did talk about this a little bit last week with Eddie Garrison when you were um, in Washington, D.C. for vacation. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I'm not like opposed to it, yeah. but I don't love it either. I, I like John Collins. I do. The money does 
put a little bit of a damper on my excitement to get him. And I think because he's regressed a little bit, not a good defender. He's been yeah. okay, but like not not good. I mean, I'm trying to be nicer by saying he's been yeah. okay. Just not been a very good defender. Nice offensive player, but I just wonder: do the Pacers need more offense or they need more defense? Definitely and, more deep. You know, and that's kind of like, but you know, you can never have too much talent. So if he's that talented of an offensive player, yeah, you kind of need a go-to guy to go with Tyrese and Benedict or whatever, just a guy that can get you the ball in the hoop. But I'm I'm just curious, like. I haven't watched a lot of John Collins film probably since, you know, two years ago when he was playing yeah. really well in that run that they had to the Eastern conference finals. But I, I think he's got upside for sure. I, I would not be opposed. Like I said, to them making this trade out, I, I would actually be intrigued a little bit to see what he could do. But at the same time, I just wonder if it's the right move for the Pacers. Is this the right guy to spend some of your free agency money that you're going to have on. I mean, is this the guy that you want to invest in? And that's kind of where I'm like, I'm I'm hesitant. Yeah. I mean, does John Collins get us over the hump for a ring? No, but does he make us, you know, more of a consistent playoff team? I, I'd say, yeah, probably. Um, the, the money right over there, it's nothing to say this guy's on a bargain deal, yeah. but I, I do think that he is someone that is realistically available and the Pacers do have the assets to do it. Do you go all in on John Collins? Absolutely not. But that's also why the man is number three on my list and not my, my top target. But, yeah. you know, overall, I think we're both in agreement. If the trade happens, sure. If it's an overpay, probably not a good move. Yeah, so I'll move over to my number three quickly here. And I think this is someone that I would take over John Collins based on the contract and based on what they do stylistically with their play. And that is Jared Vanderbilt, six foot nine, 214 pound power forward out of Utah. Utah Jazz have him there. Uh, got acquired in the trade for Rudy Gobert. He started in 30 of 32 games. He's averaging 8.6 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game, 1.2 steals per game on 57% shooting from the field and 39% from three, Faji. Jared Vanderbilt, while he's not putting up a ton of points, he's shooting the ball effectively. So I, I really think the Jazz could pivot from where they're currently at, and they could sell some of their pieces. Now, what pieces do they sell? I do not know. They have been a surprise team as well. Everybody expected them to be at the bottom of the barrel of the Western Conference, ourselves included. We just did not see this team going anywhere, specifically once they traded Donovan Mitchell as well. So you trade Mitchell and you trade Gobert, and you traded Royce O'Neal and Bojan Bogdanovic, and you re revamped this entire roster and put a bunch of guys together, and it's just kind of worked. I, I think they found something there with their head coach. I think Danny Ainge is probably surprised that they're off to as good of a start as they are, because we know for a fact that Danny Ainge is not afraid to make some drastic trades to blow it up and, and go out there and rebuild like he did with the Celtics when he got Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. I mean, that was a terrific job by him to kind of blow it up. So with Jared Vanderbilt, there's a good chance he becomes available and the Pacers could swoop in there and try to make a deal work where they get him from from the Jazz. Now, I don't know what it's going to cost you, but that's not the exercise we're doing here today. We're just throwing out trade targets. But I will say this. We know from previous experience, Danny Ainge is hard to deal with. And Danny Ainge is going to want some good assets for Vanderbilt. So it's going to cost you probably something of good value to get him. But I do think that Vanderbilt has the tools and the skill set to be a part of this Pacers team moving forward. And he could be potentially a missing piece 
that they have at that four spot. Hey, definitely someone that they rave about his defense. I mean, he he's definitely uh, not that sexy household name that someone's going to be like, hey, let me get a Vanderbilt jersey. But at the same point, <laughs> he's he's going to be contributing to winning basketball. And uh, I think that that would be a good move. But, yeah, I mean, are, is Utah going to try and ask for something crazy like a first-round pick for him or, or anything of the sort? I don't really know. But, um, you know, I, I do think that he would fit the culture of this Pacers team. For sure. If available. I so. think I saw in Jake Fisher's article, the most recent one, that he did mention Jared Vanderbilt's name um, mm-hmm. as someone that could be, I guess, could be in discussions. Maybe it was two weeks ago when he put that article out. But it was something that I remember they talked about, like, his name could be involved in trades. Obviously, eight and eight's not jumping off the page at anybody. <laughs> like, oh, my God, all-star. But, like. This is a guy that could have a Thad Young level of impact on this team. I mean, hey, we, we do love some Thad Young, and, and that impact is needed on any team. Maybe we'll just have to have Jake Fisher back on the show to you know crack <laughs> the case for us. But Absolutely. number two on my list, if we want to talk about sexy names, this mm-hmm. one, we got Jonathan Kuminga. Now, look, yeah. there's going to be some people that are like, what? There's no way Kuminga is going to be available. But he's 100 times better than what his numbers state. Because this guy actually has potential, star potential. But mm-hmm. he's seventh overall pick. Some nights he plays 30 minutes. Some nights he plays five. It's yeah. a Warriors team that's torn between trying to win it all and trying to develop young talent. Uh, but he's at one point, he's going to want a bigger role. He's going to want a bigger contract. They just paid Andrew Wiggins. They just paid Jordan Poole. They probably got to find a way to move Draymond Green out of there. Otherwise, I don't know what what's Kuminga's real path to being an established player over here. If he had went a different route other than the G League, he might have ended up being a top three pick. Instead, he goes to number seventh overall. And sometimes where you land really dictates, you know, kind of your future in the NBA. And I think this is someone that is still very coveted amongst other teams. So I think in the right situation, he could be really excelling, taking off like some other players in his draft class. But man, he could play the three. He could play the four. He's six, seven. He's just 20 years old. I think this is someone that would immediately fit mm-hmm. into the culture of what the Pacers are trying to do, but he wouldn't come cheap. So this is a guy that I had on my list that I did not include because you had him on yours, and I said, keep him. That's fine. We'll talk about him. I had another. I had enough names to talk about other players. Where I'm like, okay, we can talk about Jonathan Kaminga together. And, yeah, I'm all in on this one, Fachi. If I would have made my list, he probably would have been my number one Wow, target okay. to go after because I believe in him that much. Now, I do. you know, you, you said the Warriors are kind of stuck in, in trying to figure out if they want to play their young guys or when they got to play their young guys to win because they don't have enough talent on their roster, in my opinion, to not play them. Now, uh, Wiseman, James Wiseman is not someone that they're going to be playing a lot, but you know, Moses Moody's been getting some more uh, opportunities now. And I think it's just been kind of an up and down year for him for sure. More down than up. But Kaminga, we saw what he can do defensively, right? This guy is so good defensively. And one thing that we didn't even talk about yet is Bob Myers' contract is up, and that has not been renewed. So we'll have to see what they do there with their president of basketball operations or general manager, whatever his title is, the decision maker there of the roster building. Do they keep him around, or do they not like that he's put so much money into the guys like Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, Draymond's coming up and he already makes a ton of money as it is. So there's been some speculation that Draymond might want to go to the Los Angeles Lakers in the offseason. We'll see what happens there. The Lakers, you know, depending on what they do and how much room they have. But yeah, I think this Warriors team, like you said, they're not going to want to trade 
for a guy like Miles Turner, even if he does help them for this year because he's extension eligible. They're not going to give up a guy like Kaminga for a one-year rental on a guy that they probably can't afford to keep unless they decide that he's worth every bit of the money and they move off of a guy like Jordan Poole or they move off of Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they're just, they're just got a lot of questions and they have a lot of money invested into their good players. So, you know, I mean, if the Pacers can somehow weasel their way in there, get their hands on Kaminga and bring him back to Indianapolis, then I will give them, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to praise the Pacers for that one. I mean, that'll be the best move they've probably made in franchise history just because of how difficult that's going to be because I guarantee you there's 28 other teams besides the Pacers that want Jonathan Kaminga and would trade a lot to get him. So, you know, this is one of those things where Kaminga is not, to me, someone that's close to being a, an all-star right now. But give him three to four years, I think you're looking at a guy that could be a potential all-star. I completely agree. I think he absolutely has all-star potential. But, man, I, it, this is one of those situations where it's hard to tempt Golden State with the Celtics and the Cavs picks. Like, they're not like – What, Duarte? Not, you loved him in the draft. They, they did love Duarte. So, I, I do feel like, you know, you, you Duarte's got to be in there, and so does some of the other young talent on this Pacers team. Probably the Pacers' own first-round pick has got to be in there, the un- unprotected – it would it would get expensive, but I do think that Kuminga is someone that you got to be willing to pony up assets for how young he is and what he's bringing to the table. So, man, hey, let a guy dream because him with this Pacers unit, you know, with Benedict Matherin, with Tyrese Halliburton as obviously the untouchables on this team, I would be extremely intrigued to see what the next few years would look like. But, hey, that's why I got him on my list, and I'm curious to see who's next on yours. Yeah, so for number two here, Fachi, I've got a two-for-one special for you here. And it would not be an Alex Golden NBA trade list if I did not have the name Paul Jermaine Washington on my list, Yep, a.k.a. P.J. Washington of the Charlotte Hornets. But I'm also including his teammate, Jalen McDaniels. Look, the Hornets, they're a team that a lot of people speculated they could be in the Wimbenyama sweepstakes. They've not played great. LaMelo's come back. They've looked a little bit better since LaMelo's come back. I know they had a big win against the Kings on the road. Um, I believe it was Monday night they had that victory. And, and you know, they have some veterans there with Rozier, Plumley, Hayward, and they're an okay team, right? That When they're healthy, they're okay. When they're not healthy, they are terrible. And, we, and we saw how bad they were when LaMelo Ball was out. They desperately need somebody else there. But this is where I think if the Hornets decide – okay, we're going to go into rebuild mode. They have to ask themselves this question. Paul Jermaine Washington, P.J. Washington, is a restricted free agent, which I said is going to be a reoccurring theme with a lot of my players here. Do we want to pay him big money? The whole Miles Bridges thing kind of screwed with what the Hornets were thinking about doing. I think they would have kept him. They probably would have been a much better team had he been able to play and hadn't got into everything that he got into. So they have P.J. Washington. I think he's someone that's played well. He's averaging 14.3 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, 2.3 assists, but this is where it's kind of gross. Only 40% from the field and 32% from three. It's his lowest numbers of his entire career, and I think part of that is just the team that he's around. Kelly Uber Jr. is on the team as well. I forgot to mention him earlier, but you know, it's just not a great fit, and I think a change of scenery for him would be huge. I think playing with a point guard like Halliburton would open up some opportunities for him. I like his ability to play the small ball five if possible. But at the same time, I just, like you said earlier with Rui Hachimura, how much is it going to cost to re-sign him? 
I'm not paying him out the wazoo, but I would give him a decent amount of money. So I like that. Someone more of a flyer that you could take. In, it's it's Jade McDaniel's brother, Jalen, a guy you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't I don't necessarily think Jaden's a guy that could be traded realistically, but I think Jalen is. I Six so foot too. nine, 205 pounds. He's played in 32 games, started in 10. He's averaging 10.8 points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game, 2.2 assists. But this is where I like it. He's shooting better from two, 45% than PJ, 35% from three, which is average. Yeah. 90%, 90% from the free throw line. So pretty good free throw shooter. I think either one of these guys would be really helpful to this Pacers team. Don't think it would cost you a lot to get either of them, but it's going to cost you something. I, I just think these are two guys that could help this Pacers team, and I would be willing to see what it would uh, take the Hornets to pry one of these two guys up, if not both. You and I have had a man crush on P.J. Washington for quite some time. <laughs> we wanted him back in the draft, knowing that he wouldn't yeah. be there. But so it's just like there's always been that like intrigue of like, oh, well, you know, and I still remember maybe it was his rookie year, maybe it was his second year. He dropped like 42 points, and I was like, I believe, I believe. <laughs> and now I just think what's going on in Charlotte is just like infectious in, in the worst way. I, I just think there's – I don't want to say the culture, but whatever they have going on over there, it's a bunch of guys that seem to be kind of playing individually rather than playing as a team. And I do think he needs to get out of Charlotte. So, yeah. um, and then for Jalen McDaniels, I also think that he's a, a really promising young player that could be available for, for pretty cheap uh, for Charlotte. I don't know if they're going to re-sign PJ Washington, which makes me feel that he is very much in play to be available, but yeah, for whatever reason, the last couple of years have not been too friendly for him. So I I thought that he would kind of take off a little bit more, but there is still that, that intrigue of like, Hey, if we can't develop him, who can, because the Pacers have done a good job developing young talent and he definitely falls into that mix. He's someone that I got it pulled up right now, 24 years old. Look, you know, just turned 24 a little while ago, still very young with good basketball ahead. So if the price is right, like Bob Barker said, like you mentioned, (laughs) count me in. Fits the bill. And I think another thing, too, you get his bird rights. That's a big thing here. Yes. We've seen the Pacers go after restricted free agents, you know, last season with DeAndre Ayton. It didn't work out because obviously the Suns were able to match it. But with as much cap space as there is for the Pacers, most of the guys that are intriguing this year in a free agency are restricted ones. So you have to wonder if the Pacers would be willing to do that or if they try to get ahead of the uh, awkwardness of restricted free agency and trade for a guy that is up coming for free agency and go out and make a trade because you don't want to like go out and get a guy that's expiring. Like we talked about on the last show with Kyle Kuzma, right? He's not going to come back here. Or if he does, like it's a big risk. Yeah. When it's restricted free agency, you have control of their bird rights. So let's just say, for example, a team with some money, let's just throw a team out there. Like the Pistons had some money and they wanted to pay PJ Washington $16 million a year. Okay. For four years, whatever the deal is. The Pacers can say, okay, we'll match that. You know, we like 16 million. We think it's a fair price. Now, if the Spurs were like, we'll give you 27, the Pacers like, okay, take them. You know, we don't want that much. Yeah. I'm just throwing out examples, but that's kind of the nice thing about having the bird rights is you can can make a decision on, okay, do we want to match this? Do we not? And how open would he be to playing here if we do match it? That that kind of thing. But I just I just feel like these two guys are guys I'm always going to be fans of no matter where they're at in the league. Yeah, if you're trading for an expiring contract, you better be making a playoff push, and I just don't see the Pacers doing that this year. So 
guys that are entering restricted free agency, I, I do think is uh, far more beneficial for the team. Yeah. Now, number one on my list, this is not going to come as a surprise because I'm not backing down. <laughs> I mentioned him a couple episodes ago. Oh, wow. OG Ananobi, the six seven wing right now is exactly what the doctor prescribed for these Indiana Pacers. He's averaging 19 and six on 47% shooting. He is a true two-way player a wing is everything that the pacers need he leads the nba in steals and this is someone who i mentioned it a couple episodes ago every single year he's improved in scoring rebounding steals free throw attempts and his defensive capabilities he's still guaranteed under contract through next season and at just uh, about 20 million dollars has a player option in 2023 2024 probably ends up declining that i would imagine based on his play but what worries me is that we heard his trade package could be it mm-hmm. could be big donovan mitchell-esque i don't oh, know so dumb it, it really is that is the stupidest thing i've heard because what are we doing here where everybody needs to cost five first round picks like even if you haven't made an all-star team before like even you look at Rudy Gobert and the Timberwolves, they, they overpaid too much for that. That can't be the trade package for every player that becomes available in the NBA. But we know Toronto's in trouble. They're yeah. just coming off of a six-game losing streak. Where are they going? They're stuck in the mud right now. And you want to get out of that? A guy like OG could be your ticket to you know going in a completely different direction. Alex, a guy can dream, but you tell me. I mean, what do you think about this pairing? In the words of Steven Tyler, dream on, baby. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> I'm dreaming with you, though. Dream until your dreams come true. He also said that. So I'm dreaming yeah. on, baby. I'm dreaming until my dreams come true because I would love OG Ananobi on this team. He is a fantastic fit. If he can stay healthy, he is a missing piece. He is clearly a missing piece this team could, like, totally change the trajectory of where they're headed if they got him on the roster. He's the definition uh, of one. I mean, you look yeah. at him, you plug him in as the three on this team. All yeah. of a sudden, I mean, obviously some guys got to go, but we're 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 cooking with a core that can really elevate each other, and still they all fit the timeline. Him, Benedict, and Tyrese together in the backcourt. I mean, you can't you can't find a better one two three punch than that. And then the ability to play smaller with him at the four potentially put Andrew Nimhart in there because we know how smart Nimhart is, or Aaron Neesmith, or whoever. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of optionality here with what you could do if you get a guy like OG Ananobi on this team. I have absolutely loved watching him since college. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere in college. Like, it was this guy that super athletic, and you have tell you can tell how much he's developed his game over time. And the injury stuff is a little bit concerning just because you want to make sure you're going to get a healthy OG Ananobi for the majority of his career, which I don't think we can bank on that. But like you said, the Raptors are in trouble. OG Ananobi is a perfect fit for this Indiana Pacers team moving forward. Slam dunk here. This is a 100% I agree with. I didn't put him on my list because I knew you were going to have him on yours. So had to have didn't him. even have to write him down because I knew you were going to have him. But I, I love it, and I, and I hate that I went last because mine's going to be so anticlimactic <laughs> compared to your OG Ananobi pick. <laughs> what, what, what do you got, another Jared Vanderbilt-esque player or, or what? <laughs> So I've got someone that's a little bit older, 26 years old. He'll be 27 in March. So he's the same age as Miles Turner. It's Cameron Johnson from the Phoenix okay. Suns. Now, okay. I've talked about him on a couple different podcasts where I've been intrigued by him, and he's only played in eight games this year, Fachi, because he has an injury. Mm-hmm. Now, he's supposed to be able to come back from that later this season. Not sure exactly when, but in that stretch, Fachi, 13 
points per game, 3.4 rebounds per game, shooting 45% from the field, but 43% from three and 73% from the free throw line, which is not great, but it's not bad. Restricted free agency, okay? This is, once again, where I'm going at with this. We did it last year to the Suns. Are we going to play spoiler and do it again? Are we going to mess with the Suns? Because they've already extended DeAndre Ayton. They've already extended Devin Booker. They've already extended Mikel Bridges. And Chris Paul is not a cheap contract either. So that's going to be another expensive contract on their hands if they go all in with Cam Johnson. I think what happens in the playoffs will be easier to understand how this team goes moving forward. Do they make drastic changes if they get bounced early in the playoffs? Or do they try to bring everyone back together if they make a good run? And I think both options are available. But we just found out this week, Robert Sarver sold the team to a new owner, a billionaire. And he bought the team for $4 billion. Excuse me, I don't have his name up here. If you know what it is, feel free to shout it out. I, I know he played at Michigan State when they won the championship. That's about it. Um, but there have been there's been talks that he wants to bring in front office people. Now, does that mean that he's going to replace James Johnson? Does that mean he wants them to play be a part of the front office with James Johnson? A lot James of questions. Jones. Why do I keep doing that? I've because we it. got James Johnson. So it's I just know, I've done it three times already this season in podcasts. Ah, killing me. James Jones. Yes. I, I'm sorry about that. Thank Former you. Former Pacer. Yes, former Pacer. I, I see the face and I say the wrong name. And I've done it. I did it on Twitter. I've done it on here twice. Oh my goodness. James Jones is the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, maybe president of basketball operations, whatever the title is. But he's the one making all the decisions over there for him with their roster construction. If they bring in somebody to go with him or to take his spot, could that mean they feel differently about Cameron Johnson than he does? And I think. That's where you kind of have to look at this and just think to yourself, this is a guy that could really help the Pacers if they're able to get their hands on him. I think he's a good defensive player, shoots the three well, and I think he's still in his prime. So it's going to be huge to get a guy like this. Would he want to come here? It's tough saying. But, you know, nobody probably thought DeAndre Ayton would want to come here too at this time, of, you know, in, in December last year. So never say never. I think – He's someone that could make sense, but I would much rather have uh, Kaminga or OG and Anobi than Cameron Johnson. But if I'm trying to be realistic, I feel like Cameron Johnson might be a little bit more obtainable. Cameron Johnson should be more obtainable. Um, If it was Robert Sarver, who had been labeled as cheap for a long time, I do think that Cameron Johnson would probably be the guy that ends up being let go to sign elsewhere. Now that they do have a new owner that is a big basketball fan, you know, maybe he is willing to spend more money than Sarver was. But Cameron Johnson was someone that I was surprised when Phoenix made, like, I believe they traded up because he, yeah, they traded up with Minnesota, picked him 11th overall. I remember being like, whoa, that feels like a reach, but he's been a really good player. He has, and he's been a sniper in the NBA. So he's been a really good three-point shooter dating back to his days at USC, uh, UNC. Um, but, man, you know what? Uh, if the Pacers are able to get this, make this work, interested. But what does he want to get paid over there? What do you pay a guy like this? I don't know what is Probably next. Probably $20 million a year. Probably wants $20 million. What's his next level? Because, you know, he's averaging 13 in, in eight games. Last year, he averaged 12 and a half. Like, is he a guy that's kind of, you know, 12 to 15? Or is there a next level that he could grow hmm. while his contract grows? That's where I'm wondering about. Because he feels like a very good complementary player yeah. to a team like Phoenix. But if he's on the Pacers and we're playing him $20 million, 
we kind of need him to be like a fringe all-star type player. I don't know if he's got that in him. I think he's more of a fourth option on your yeah off. i'd say fourth at best probably he's, he's a three and d kind of guy that's yeah. that's kind of how i view him but three and d guys kind of cost that oh yeah you know yeah. you could kind of almost compare what he is um to the suns to what aaron gordon is for the denver nuggets when they're fully healthy like michael porter jr uh jamal murray, jamal murray Nikola Jokic, your top three yeah gordon is the huge pivotal fourth piece right there defensive stopper that they put their best player on. I don't know if he can be a guy that defends the best player one through four. I don't think he's as talented defensively as Aaron Gordon is, but what I'm trying to get at is like, that's kind of his role. He's like the fourth option mm-hmm. for a team and he can still put up points when they need him to. I believe in him a lot. I think he's a good player. How he comes back from this injury is going to be key. Not really known as an injury prone guy. This is one of his first injuries that I can really recall. I might be wrong on that, but like, you know, with the Suns already having Aiton and Booker and Paul and Bridges, it's kind of like he was coming off the bench last year. Jay Crowder was starting, and then they eventually started him in the playoffs over Crowder at points, and that's kind of what led to Crowder being upset with not liking his role and wanting to be dealt. So I just I just wonder, like, they, they seem pretty high on him, and the Suns aren't always high on everybody, so the fact that they're high on him and believe in his potential – I kind of am too, <laughs> you know, high on his potential. But at the same time, limitations for sure. I mean, it's going to cost you a lot of money no matter what to get some free agents away, especially restricted free agents. You're going to have to pay a good amount of money to get them away from their team. So you probably do have to overpay and offer them around the $20 million range. Yeah, that, that's that's a situation where, you know, you imagine if you end up trading for them, which whatever that costs, and then you pay them $20 million, you're, you're pretty invested in Cameron Johnson really pushing this team forward. I wonder if he has that in him, but I, I do think, you know, uh, hey, look, w- I'd be interested in the player, but when you're talking about cost for the trade and then free agency, I might feel a little bit better if we can just outright sign him in free agency. Yeah, and that's what, my, that's what it might have to be, is just sign him in free agency once he's restricted and see what you can get. But if you can trade for him earlier, it does potentially help you or – if you have his bird rights, you can at least do a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. And that also maybe gets you somebody else in the mix as well. But with that being said, Fachi, that wraps up our list. We're not going to go through and re- repeat it all, but I was curious. Did you have any honorable mentions that you want to throw out as guys you left off your list? Nah, I was really just torn between OB and Jaden McDaniels for that spot. So I'd say I mentioned mine. What about you? Yeah, so a couple of names I had written down that I didn't even bring up. You know, I was just kind of spitballing here. One was Isaac Okoro. You said, thank God we don't have him on our roster last week. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if we could take a flyer on him for pretty much nothing, that'd be interesting. Uh, Another name, Sadiq Bey. He's been out there in rumors quite a bit. I would be interested in Sadiq Bey as well as a defensive guy. One guy that I almost put on here over the the wizard I did put over here was Ruby Hachimura. I thought about putting Denny Avdia. I I thought about that for like a quick instance. He's just such a bad shooter. Exactly. Good defender. Yeah, real good defender. Just the offense, it just never caught up. Really, what people hoped when yeah. he was a uh, top ten pick, I believe. <laughs> then my then my pipe dream that I said I wasn't going to get into like what I gave to you in a text message via like a trade idea, but a guy that if the Bulls decide to blow it up and just go a completely different direction, if they're stupid enough to trade this guy, I think you have to make a phone call to see if he's available. That's Patrick Williams. Now, sometimes I think the idea of Patrick Williams is better than who Patrick Williams actually and, and is. And I, I agree with that. I definitely agree yes. with that. Fourth overall pick, this guy, I mean, it looked like he could really be a potential all-star. 
has not taken that step, but I know the Bulls love him. I know other teams love him. Yeah, I, I think he'd be a little bit more expensive to get when you're still just kind of almost similar to like a James Wiseman thing where you're banking on that potential, but what you give up could be far more than what you get in return. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about him. So I'm like, I wanted to put him on my list as like number one is like, oh yeah, think about this. Like you can go after Patrick Williams, but it's like, you know, you told me it's probably unrealistic when we were chatting about it. So I was like, okay, I'll back down from that. But the price might just be too great. The price might not be right. Bob Barker might not be approving this one, Flash. But um, yeah, so there we go. That's that's the honorable mentions that I had mentioned. So with that being said, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast where you can watch this video. If you haven't already, subscribe. Leave us a leave us a five star rating or review over on the podcast app as well wherever you're listening. But comment, let us know what you think of our list because we want to hear from you. And if we missed anybody, throw those names out at us as well. As well. But Fachi, if you're excited that Tyrese Halliburton had an All Star level game against the Boston Celtics, the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and you love Terry Taylor live tweeting the games, and say these three words: Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.